Everyone, welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, today I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley, who is coming to us from a, a cool studio. And of course, we have our guest today, Mr. Dan Franks. Welcome, guys. Hey, it's hey great thanks to be for here. having me. And yeah, Rob, that's uh, super cool. You've got the, the dual colored lights and all kinds of fun stuff. Fun, yeah. Well, hey, we're we're up in our game here a little bit. Now I'm actually <laughs> doing it from a studio in uh, in Seattle. It's called the Winter Blue Room. It's a it's a podcast recording studio and a and a studio that does a lot of a lot of music recordings too. So, and if you uh, want to do a podcast up in Seattle, you can certainly uh, get a hold of these folks at uh, thewinterblueroom.com. That's cool. So do they rent space on a regular basis or, yeah, or what? Yeah, exactly. It's all done online too. Wow. So that's nice. Scheduler. Yeah. And I noticed you're, so did you, uh, is that the mic they normally use? And no, they, no, this is all, this is all my, oh, my, all your stuff. Um, my Logitech 920 and my uh, Q2U. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. you just, you just needed a backdrop and place to plug in. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, you know, it's kind of funny because I'm starting to take account the stuff that I need to bring to podcast movement evolutions for our, for our live events. So, uh, anyway, exciting stuff, but anyway, Hey, welcome Dan Franks from podcast movement. And Dan, Dan, what is your title now? Do you have a title? Um, I think technically it's president. Um, it's all, all just made up. It's uh, you know, <laughs> chief bottle washer, cook, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, still still wearing a lot of hats like everyone else on the team, but um, yeah, no fun times. Technically, it's president, but that's just because uh, somebody had to do it. Yeah, you have to have a title, right? So, I you know it's same thing. We're uh, with Blueberry too. I'm founder, CEO, master bottle washer, right? <laughs> <laughs> same, same. But studio uh, builder, studio builder, all that stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. So before we kind of dig into everything, podcast movement evolutions, Rob, I'm just kind of like, when did we do the last show? I can't. <laughs> was it last week? Did we do a show last week? I can't even remember. It's, I think it was. I think it was two weeks ago. Okay. I think. Yeah. Because we had CES and. Yeah. It, it's all, it all runs together. I guess I ought to it load, does. I, ought to, I, I should load the website and maybe I'll tell myself when, what we did, but, uh, oh, we, we, well, Rob and I just saw each other on Friday night, didn't we, Rob? Right. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I sat right behind Dan. So, yeah. Yeah. So the last show we did, Rob was on January 4th before I left for CES. So both of us were leaving to go to CES. Yes. Right. Yeah. And we talked with, uh, the founder of StreamYard, but anyway, yeah. so. Since yeah. since that time, uh, CES has come and gone. Yeah, the Digital Hollywood event at CES has come and gone, the one day event. Right, and you you guys both of you went to the iHeart Podcast Awards, and then right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we can talk about that a little bit, Dan. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. just as a recap. For CES, it was fantastic. There was, uh, for me, I just showed up as talent. I was live eight hours during the show. I went to a Digital Hollywood event, kind of had my press pass, so I didn't have to buy a pass. So I was able to get in and, you know, basically kind of hang out and listen. And not super well attended, but, uh, you know, for as a day before CES, it wasn't too bad, considering right. there was 5,000 sessions going on that day. Yeah, well, that and, and it's, it's a beautiful venue, you know, at the Aria. Yeah. 
Um, there was plenty of plenty of room in that that facility, and it was a great lineup of speakers and stuff and panelists. And lots of distractions, right? Right. So. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's Las Vegas. Of course there's distractions. Right. <laughs> so that was going on. And uh, and then we both blasted out of CES. And then I went straight down to Columbus. It was in the office all week. Got back, what is day? Yeah. Sunday. Got back Friday night. And then, uh, yeah, so here we are Sunday because you guys were both at iHeart. So, so what happened at the iHeart Podcast Awards? Well, I have to say, just just based on what, what I heard people talking about there, that the event was really a really a snappy event. It was really on on cue, on point, and they 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 blew through stuff pretty fast. It was about an hour, and uh, I thought, you know, and Dan, jump in here. It, it was quite a quite a good quality production. I thought I was I was really impressed by it. Um, yeah, I mean, was, last year yeah. we the three of us were all at PodCon while it was going on. So right. um, <clears throat> I think the three of us kind of lived vicariously through. Or were you at PodCon, Todd? I, or was it just your no, team? No, it was just some of my team members were there. Right. That's right. Well, Rob and I were at PodCon, and we were kind of following along the awards on Twitter. Um, so that's kind of the best uh, the best experience we had was just hearing what other people were saying. Um, and, and my feedback or my thoughts, the same as Rob's, is it was super super tight one hour um i think last year maybe they just kind of let it let it go and maybe didn't time it out as well but this year from what i understand they were broadcasting the awards over the radio stations a lot of the radio stations across the country were broadcasting these awards so they had to keep it keep it to time and from what i could tell they probably had 15 20 maybe even 25 production people that were running around on the ground moving cameras giving cues um, so, so to me, it, it seemed like, you know, like any other professional broadcast award show. And, and my understanding is it probably wasn't that same way last year. So, um, yeah. from a production standpoint, went off pretty, uh, pretty smooth and everything seemed, seemed to be a good, um, again, production. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a high end studio. I mean, <laughs> I, I was, I was blown away by the facilities. I mean, it was just, I mean, Todd, you, you, as a geek, uh, you'd be, uh, impressed well you know <laughs> let's just be frank that's when you got that kind of money yeah that's true you know and you know you yeah so you know what's well, the and it's their own theater they true, do true, things in true. there probably multiple times a week all the staff are producing events in there all right, the time right um yeah, so it's just right. uh yeah i mean it's a well-oiled machine and they just kind of dropped the awards into that well-oiled machine and it worked well good yeah. good for them and uh how many outside of their pool of shows that how many did they actually promote that were external was there i'd say most of the shows were external to iheart there's only a few shows that were iheart shows that were were part of the awards uh-huh. um, but it did lean pretty heavily on the larger media companies uh you know the national public radio the new york times you know the the larger media companies there wasn't a lot of kind of indie podcast that, that was part of the the lineup um, and you didn't see uh, unfortunately you didn't see a lot of representation from the broader podcast um, you know space I think uh, Dan and I were pretty much the only ones that I saw there Todd uh, that that you would typically see maybe at a podcast movement well, yeah, and I mean, the other kind of the caveat to what you said, Rob, about all the big shows winning is that nowadays, 
some of these networks are scooping up some of the indie shows. So I noticed a number of the winners, a number right. of the nominees that right. I saw there. Um, at one time, I knew them as independents. They attended podcast movement as independents. And right. now, you know, they're on the iHeart network or they're under the NPR umbrella. True. So I think that's the right. one kind of caveat is, you right. know, there wasn't indie representation, but there's plenty of shows that started out on their own, but now have right. kind of been swept up into that bigger, um, you know, more mainstream network uh, umbrella or whatever, that grouping. So, um, so yeah, there, but there, there was, like you said, Rob, most of the winners were from some big network. Uh, and I think probably most of the nominees were from big networks as well. So well, that's not to take anything away from those programs. They're, they're very, very good, uh, podcasts. I mean, all those shows that were in the slate, you know, I was a judge. Uh, so I went through and I, I listened to all, all the shows and, and evaluated them. Um, based on, you know, my knowledge of the podcasting space. And, and I went down there to be, be supportive of that event because I would like to see what's going on with the event and, and see how it's, uh, shaping the industry. And, and it's certainly, you know, Dan, and you probably saw this too. It's, it's, it's a different, um, community. Um, I mean, there's some, there's a lot of crossover, but it's also, you know, it's, it's very impressive. There was a, Lots and lots of women involved, uh, lots of diversity. Um, you know, it's very, very Hollywoodish, professionalized stuff, and and it's pretty impressive to see. If I think back to the the history of this medium, and one thing that did kind of rub me a little bit, um, I don't know, Dan, if you picked this up too, but there was a, uh, it was referred to a few times during the program uh, that the medium is. is Ten years old, <laughs> which I thought was an interesting um, um, observation um, on 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 the part of you know more than one speaker um, made that comment. So I don't know, Dan, if you pick that up or if you have any thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, I did, and I I thought about kind of elbowing you in the knee when that when that came up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just you know, it's uh, I guess I don't know if, if maybe that's when you know iHeart started dipping their toes into the water. <laughs> as you know one of their iterations or something like that i'm not sure i mean there's there's someone calculating that number 10 somewhere or some way i don't know what it is um but i think yeah we all kind of know that's that's not quite right yeah right well at least they aren't calling themselves the first podcast awards and you know it's kind of funny because mid last week i got an email from a gal in the uk that is doing another podcast awards this must be like the 30th one and um, she is doing a publisher's podcast awards. So I went over yeah, I think to that's in London, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I went, I went to their website and, and I, I replied to back to her. I said, you know, I don't want to be an ass, but what defines a publisher these days? You know, you've got massive numbers of networks and everything they really had their list had listed on their stuff was kind of ran home to mama again when it comes to, and I, I just kind of, and she didn't respond to me, but you know, what, what really defines a publisher these days? You know, I, I'm a publisher. Um, I have a network. So what is, you know, what defines a, a network? And I, I thought it was kind of, yeah, I think curious. the term producer is often kind of used the same way, like producer, but often the producer is the host right. and the editor and all of that, yeah. or, right. Yeah, so I think that's the same way. And I think a lot of times NPR consider call their hosts the producers of the show. So, yeah, um, yeah right. so many of those terms are now, like, interchangeable. Right. I, I hire, I've got a new marketing director on board, and I've been, you know, feeding him by the fire hose for the past two weeks. And and I try to make him understand that, because we were talking, and Rob, the, 
and I won't get this a sideline here, but he says, why aren't you doing programmatic? He says, programmatic, you, you can monetize all this content. And I'm like, all right, let me talk to you about radio stations and the difference between a radio station and a podcaster. I said, the radio station, you have a GM and then you have, you have on-air talent. And the GM makes the decision on the advertising and the on-air talent executes. I said, in podcasting, the GM, the producer, the talent is mostly the same guy. <laughs> so I just can't turn on or shove programmatic at these folks. It's not that easy. Um, and so we had a discussion about that at, at some length, but anyway, it's, it's a here or there, but we need to get into what's coming, prepping to go to sunny Los Angeles and it's 11 degrees here today. So I'm looking forward to coming to, <laughs> coming to LA, uh, Dan, what's, what's happening with podcast movement evolutions. Give us the rundown. Yeah, I mean, super exciting stuff. It's something that um, we had kind of been thinking about doing for a while, wanted to do this kind of second mini event um, strategically. It's, you know, no mistake, it's six months away from the main podcast movement. It's somewhere where we um, haven't been in a while and probably aren't going to go with the main podcast movement for a little bit longer now. So on the West Coast, um, we think so much stuff happens in New York. So we wanted to, to kind of go to that market that's a little bit underserved in L.A., um, in terms of big media markets where maybe not as much stuff happens. Um, and all of those things kind of came together to form our evolutions, which is the first time we've ever done uh, as podcast movement, a second major event uh, in one year. And really the, the idea behind it came from people saying, you know, podcast movement's great. It's so broad. It's so um, it's got a little bit of everything. Uh, but but some of those people that they go to podcast movement every year and they don't necessarily need to go to the, you know, what is, you know, programmatic or dynamic ad insertion or what is, um, you know, these kind of basic concepts or, or how to start a podcast or any of those things are maybe looking for something that would be more continuing education. Um, that's the real, uh, you know, content idea behind evolutions when it first started was, you know, let's talk about the latest, the greatest, all the new technology, all the new emerging markets, the new trends, all of those new things happening in podcasting. Uh, let's build a, uh, an event around those so that anyone that's active, involved in podcasting can come and learn all the new things. So that was the original content idea. Um, it spun off a little bit into, you know, a lot of the hobbyist podcasters wanted to come, wanted to participate. So we've got a specific track for them. That's becoming one of the big ones. Um, but from a content perspective, the initial idea was to make sure that all of the content was new, refreshed, um, and super, super time, uh, you know, super timeful and all that. Uh, and then in terms of with with the event, in terms of the structure, uh, the other feedback we got often from podcast movement is, hey, every time or every time block, there's 12 or 13 sessions going on. Really tough to pick which one I should go to. Really tough to pick which one applies to me. Um, so when I go to podcast movement and pick the wrong session, it might be too beginner or too advanced for them. Um and, you know, the choose your own adventure style of podcast movement, that's one of my favorite things in terms of you sign up for the event. You can go to any of the sessions you want, um, but it often does lead to some confusion from uh, the attendees and, and having to guess which one is best. So from a structural standpoint with evolution, something different that we've done that we've kind of wanted to do for a while is more of the single track uh, structure to a to a conference. So um, anyone who is attending the event, they sign up for a track that's specific to who they are or what their spot is in the industry. So if they're a professional podcaster making a living or making significant revenue, they would sign up for the professional podcaster track. And 
they don't have to choose between the different stages. They can go for those two days, every session on that stage, and it's going to be curated content that's going to be applicable to them as a professional podcaster. Likewise, we have that hobbyist track that we call the creator track. Same thing. We've got um, that's that one's actually split into two different stages: a brand new beginner podcaster stage and just an active podcaster stage. And the same thing. If you go to sessions on that track, it's going to be geared towards you, not somebody that's you know making a living off your podcast or maybe don't even want to make a living off your podcast, but you're trying to get better. You're trying to learn. Then on the far opposite side is the third track, which is the industry professional track. And that's geared towards people that are not the ones talking into the microphones. They're not the ones producing the podcast. They're the ones that are you know, running the businesses behind podcasts. Um, maybe a lot of the people that Rob and I would have seen at the iHeart Awards this week or, or that go to the upfronts and the podfronts, those kind of things. Track really geared towards them, so uh, takes the guesswork out of uh, out of what sessions to go to and where to go. Um, and then, quite honestly, it allows us to then split up the costs differently. So that industry professional track is going to be a much higher level track. It's also one that charges a whole lot more for the ticket, whereas that hobbyist track is extremely affordable. Um, still, three full days of content, but it's something that you know it, it's priced towards hobbyist podcasters. That track crosses into Saturday, which is something that I've been talking about with you guys for a while. Is involving a weekend again for those people that right. it's not a business for them. Um, so you know we've we've kind of taken a lot of feedback and things that people have wanted to see us do with podcast movement that maybe we haven't been able to implement. And now you know starting from the ground up, we've been able to combine a bunch of these ideas um, and and put it forward and see what happens with the new event. So give me the breakdown on what's it split up then right now? What are you looking percentage wise? Do you have that a rough on that? Yeah, we do. So um, it's probably the, the, we see the split happening to the two ends. So we see a high number of, of hobbyist podcasters. Again, that's either brand new or people just doing it as a hobby, um, maybe looking to make it into a business. But right now it's not that. Um, and then people on that industry professional side and kind of that middle is where um, – it's kind of lowest. It's kind of a, a reverse bell curve. Hmm. Um, but I think that's probably because that's a, there's less professional podcasters out there when you really kind of say, hey, who's actually making a living at it? Um, there's less of those people. So still not a low number, but when we look at kind of how those how those registrations are going, that's kind of the, the lower middle. Um, but, you know, the way we format it is if you're an industry professional, you're able to attend sessions on the professional podcaster track. If you're a professional podcaster, you're able to attend sessions on the creator track. So there's going to be some crossover and there is some some choice involved. If you just really don't want to attend a session that's happening on that single track, you have a few choices. Um, we have a stage in the expo hall with cool stuff happening. Um, that's open to everyone. We have keynotes each each day so um, that are open to everyone. So you know, a little bit of, of that crossover and we're not like sticking people into a stage that they can't leave from. Right. Um, but it's it, the whole idea is a much more curated experience for those who are coming for the education piece. So the, the big question, what's your numbers looking like? I think we're, our, our big hairy goal was a thousand, just kind of a round, nice big number. And we're getting, we're going to be very close to that or if not over it, um, nice. anyone who's run events know the last three or four weeks is when uh, a big rush usually happens, um, so we're seeing that now. So kind of where it stops, then we'll we'll find out. But um, we're very pleased with with where the registrations are. Um, and you know, we we gave ourselves half the amount of time to promote the event that we normally do. We usually you know like to promote for twelve months. This one we gave ourselves six months. So you know, there's uh, there's a lot of education involved. We're still working with you know on the education piece to to inform people kind of what the difference is from a content perspective, from a structure perspective. Um, but a lot of, a lot of it is just to do the event once and 
let people kind of see it for themselves and go from there. This is the first event that's been on the West Coast. I, I know there's a couple other groups that are running events because I've been hit up to uh, pay to play um, for those events and literally. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because I, you know, I'm not going to go to the other event that's happened. I think the week before or the week at, I know there's something yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the week before, Todd. Yeah. Are you going to that, Rob? Are you? No, I wasn't at this point. I yeah, wasn't planning on it. Because uh, it was a lot of, well, anyway, we'll see, you know, they, they quote unquote claimed that they had X number of people, but I just, I don't know, you know, and it's, it's I just, haven't heard of it. So I don't, I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's by design or what, but I haven't yeah. heard about yeah, it. Yeah, I think it was a free to attend event and they were claiming a, a, a lot of people signing up for free, but I think, you know, free. Well, also I wish them luck, but what I'll say <laughs> is anytime I've run plenty of free events and free meetups and, um, Whatever your RSVP number up. is, drop a zero off the end of it, and that's how many <laughs> right. people might show up. And that's if you're giving away free food and drinks. If hey. not, maybe drop another another zero. Right. And, totally. and and at the totally. same and at the same time, they were like asking me to pony up this big check to come and talk for you know twenty minutes. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, so I don't do that. And uh, but anyway, it, it is what it is. But so yeah, good, exciting, and I, I find it interesting though. This is um. I think, you know, if you look at podcast movement, the main event and the breakup of new creators, you guys, I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't think you had that large of a new creator group last summer. I don't know. What did you guys end up having some breakouts last summer of how many new creators you had come to podcast movement? Yeah, I mean, I don't have the math in front of me, but that's something we do as people register for the event every year. That's the that's the only required question when they're filling out their survey. Everything else is optional, but we require them to say, are you brand new, not started? Have you been in it, whatever, one to three years? Yeah. Are you a radio professional? Are you an industry professional, non-podcaster? Um, and, and that new podcaster was at least 25% or more. Um, you know, that's that's kind of what we've never seen it drop below. That's good. Uh, yeah, so I mean, certainly I think, you know, as the event grows, I think we've talked about this before, the quantity of new creators, the quantity of all the different categories grows. The percentage right. might go down just because yeah. there's more an influx yeah. of certain sizes. So while the overall percentage of the overall attendance goes down, the quantity of, of any of those groups we've never seen drop because we do kind of map them out separately and see how have we grown on the radio side or the industry side. I mean, like 2018, for example, like the radio side blew up, like we went from, you know, a small quantity to a really large quantity. Um, 2019, a little less because so many people came in 2018, but all of those categories do grow. They just kind of grow at different sizes. And, and a lot of the reason is because, you know, when we started, we were so heavily leaned towards just creators, um, that, you know, that's kind of was our, our, our highest starting point, our high water point for that. And then that one's just kind of gone up, uh, quantity wise. Well, it's Dan, go ahead, go ahead, Rob. Yeah. I was just going to ask, um, so as you think about this new event, the evolutions event in contrast to the regular podcast movement event. Um, are you looking at this new event as kind of like a testing ground for what you might do at the, at the larger event? And the reason I ask ask this is that it seems like breaking this up into three categories. And I know to some degree you've been doing that with the podcast movement event, but do you see maybe this is maybe the future format for the larger event as well? Uh, do you uh, see these things yeah. going in parallel with each other at some point or is there, I mean, like the radio track, is that, are you going to keep doing the separate broadcaster meet, uh, podcaster 
track or is is it going to blend in to really become more like what you're doing at the evolutions event yeah this is yeah there is some testing involved with this um like i said the feedback we've been getting from podcast movement has shaped what we're doing with this new event so there's definitely some of that involved um in terms of what we then implement to the to the main event like i think we're already seeing one thing we're going to do a a track again a podcast movement we're probably not going to force people to go to certain tracks they can kind of still choose their own adventure but we're seeing so much interest in that new podcaster track at evolutions that we're oh. going to now have a room that's 100% dedicated at podcast okay. movement oh. to new podcaster type sessions. So that's something that, you know, that, that we see now because we see the interest in people signing up for a track. That's only that we'll, you know, have, have somewhere that people know, okay, I'm a new podcaster. I know at any time I can go to the sessions in this room and it's going to be new podcaster focused things. Um, and we've been doing that already with the industry professional room. Um, we've, we, a couple of years ago, put that industry professional room at podcast movement where, you know, if you're a creator and you're just an independent podcaster doing your own thing, you can go in there and you can find out about high level statistics and data and stuff, but it, it might not be as relevant for you. So we've kind of already done it with that side of things. And now we're going to start doing it for the, the beginner side of things as well. Um, to answer your question about the radio professional track, uh, something we saw last year was those lines are so blurred. Like, you know, the first few years when we did the radio yeah. professional track with the Jacobs uh, media team, right. it, that was when radio was just starting to get into podcasting in terms of, you know, mainstream people either leaving radio to start podcasting or radio stations and networks getting into podcasting. Um, so I think they, they somewhat felt like outsiders. So we catered to them as outsiders and put together a track specifically for them at podcast movement to say, yeah, you know, there, there's a place for you. You can come to the event. There's somewhere that you can be and you can be amongst your peers and people you know. Uh, and that was two or three years ago. And since then, we've seen those same people that in year one, they wanted to be amongst their peers. In year two and three, they wanted to get out and spread out and, and go to sessions on the other tracks that made sense to them. So I think we saw last year that Broadcasters Meet Podcasters track really just feel like another another room with some other sessions that were relevant to to everyone. But they didn't so much feel like, oh, that's where all the radio people went because the radio people spread out. So while we might do something that's, you know, some somewhat geared towards those radio professionals in terms of some sessions, I think segmenting them off is not necessarily um, what we'll do anymore. I think that was a good way to open the door for those folks, but not necessarily something that we have to keep doing now that they're there and they're a part of the community. Well, one thing's for sure is uh, you're going to have a couple hundred more because I already know some layoffs. <laughs> so you're going to have some more talent or somebody on, someone's not going to have a job. I had to put that little dig in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they may all be wanting to become podcasters. So they may be, you know, yeah. going to the creator's track. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think though, from my perspective and Dan, I don't know if you've heard me talk about it yet or, or not, but you know, we've kind of decided to do some training events. We're going to start with two, two experimental ones, one in Columbus and one in Detroit. And we haven't announced the dates yet on that, but we're getting closer, but we really continue to see this huge need for just the podcast one-on-one just that, you know, and I go to some events and I hear some things being suggested to podcasters and I just, I shudder. And then there's other events I go to and I'm like, man, everyone's dialed in here. Everyone's, you know, uh, given good advice. And, and I think what we're trying to do is, you know, make sure that, you know, it's obviously going to be blueberry focused, but it's definitely going to be 
you know, a one-on-one session, it's going to help people get started and at least on the right track. And, and, um, I don't know, we'll see how it goes and, you know, but I think there's a huge need for this, these one-on-one tracks for creators. Yeah. Yeah, well, I Dan, think so too. I mean, we run the Facebook group, yeah. 29,000 members, by the way, just hit that yesterday. So oh, big three yeah, Oh coming up, but, um, you know, there's a lot of experienced podcasters in there, but there's a lot of new podcasters yeah. in there. And there's so many people asking, you know, the same questions and you can kind of point them to certain resources, but those same questions all the time. And that, you know, you can just tell by the volume of questions that those are the questions that, you know, maybe some of those people haven't Googled at all. Maybe they just went straight to the Facebook group, but you've got to think some number of those people asking the questions have searched, haven't found the answer. So then are coming back to the Facebook group. And if that's happening, then yeah, there's, there's a need for that. Yeah. Um, you know, we offer a, a free, it's 28 day challenge, we call it, but really it's just 28 days walking you through coming up with a, your, your idea for a podcast all the way through naming it, securing your website, securing your social handles all the way to editing, publishing, producing, picking out your equipment, picking out your services, all of that. Um, and that's really become one of our biggest, you know, when you talk about funnels and all of that for, for marketing purposes, that's one of our biggest funnels is so many people are just asking, where do I start? that we can point them to that. And it's kind of an autoplay thing at this point. It starts every other month. Um, but it's exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's so many people just have what seems to us like very basic questions and we didn't have a great place to point them to. So we just put something together. So I think you're absolutely right. And that, you know, can only be good for, for everybody if people are starting out on the right foot. And also at the same point too, and I said this in uh, probably a hundred times by now, we're getting people now that don't know how to right click a mouse. So, you know, you really have to walk them through the process, almost handhold them to a certain extent. And, uh, it's, it's, it is a you know, complete change to what it was maybe five, six years ago. And it's to be expected. Everybody wants to do this. Well, it's, yeah, it's definitely attracting, a, a um, different kind of content creator too. Ones that are, are very, very focused on, on content and they're not geeks necessarily. They may only just know how to use their, their mobile phones. I mean, I don't even, I mean, there's probably a whole generation that's going to come up that maybe doesn't even use a computer that much. So, um, that's, that's the other part of this too. And Dan, I wanted to talk a little bit about the venue too, that, um, that you're using for this new evolutions event. It's the millennium Biltmore down in Los Angeles and that has a long history in the content business as well. I don't know if you want to talk about that venue and maybe some after party stuff that, you know, some of the networking opportunities that you guys um, have set up for the event this year. Yeah, sure. So yeah, the millennium built more in downtown Los Angeles, which uh, if you would have been in downtown Los Angeles, not in the past five years, and that could seem like a real weird location, um, but it's definitely kind of a rejuvenated part of the Los Angeles area's yeah. downtown. Uh, yeah. That's where, you know, they've got, the, the opera house now and a, and a bunch of different theaters and all of this stuff. So it's kind of become, um, yeah, kind of a, a gentrified area. Um, super cool location. And, uh, yeah, lots of history. I believe, uh, the first few Oscars, the Academy Awards were held there. So, yeah. uh, when you're there, walk around and look at all the pictures of all the, all the famous celebrities from back in the day there. Um, and, and a lot of like music videos and stuff were shot there. It's, it's a real kind of quirky place, real eclectic kind of place. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to describe until you get there, but it was, it was built in the thirties the or forties, just kind of in a real, yeah. a real artistic manner. Um, so it's yeah, kind of a, a, an interesting, right. unique venue, which is kind of what we were going for. Um, but in terms of the layout for the event, it's really great. There's kind of one main center corridor and everything branches off from there. Um, not a huge hotel. 
Um, not a, you know, n- not a lot of giant walking space, you know, to get there. I think last year you had to walk a half mile each way to get to the conference rooms at podcast movement. So, uh, kind of the opposite of that super great downtown location in terms of walkability. Uh, yeah, so, so super fun. Um, the opening party Wondery is putting it on that Wednesday night, the 12th, um, right there in the hotel lobby. So free drinks and free snacks and stuff for anyone that's going to be there. Um, and then our, our friends at iHeart on Thursday night, which is that first kind of uh, education or that first day of education, that uh, that evening is going to be the iHeart party, uh, walking distance offsite from from uh, from the event. So yeah, lots of uh, lots of fun things. And then we're putting together our own little Valentine's party for anyone that's uh, that's alone in Los Angeles on Friday night after podcast movement before um, the last day on Saturday. We've got a little party going on as well. So that'll be all all announced coming up pretty soon. So speaking of Valentine's Day, that's the thing I keep hearing from people. It's on Val. It's going over Valentine's Day, and they're like, "Why did they pick Valentine's Day?" And I, I have a suspicion. <laughs> but uh, was that like the only slot you could get in February, or? Yeah, so lots of different, uh, lots of pieces. That's why I tell <laughs> people there's in venue selection and date selection. There's all kinds of moving parts. Um, so yeah, one of, uh, one of it is, uh, that's, you know, a date that was available when we, you know, six months out, we're, we're planning this event and doing the venue, um, you know, sightseeing and negotiation. Um, surprisingly, there's not a ton of, of great locations that we liked in Los Angeles. So we had, to, and that's how we ended up in Orange County when we did podcast movement in, uh, Anaheim several years ago was because Los Angeles proper just doesn't have a whole lot of, of places that, that we liked. Um, so a lot of it was just because we didn't have an, a very many venues to pick from the venues we did like. There was a very few dates. Um, also, you know, there, there's, there was some coordination with the Podfront event happening that Wednesday before us. Um, that's happening in, uh, at CAA, the, the talent agency there. Um, they're doing the pod fronts with a, a lot of the networks and ad buyers and stuff. Um, so that wasn't a deciding factor, but the fact that one of our available dates also had that going on um, was a was a was a interesting kind of thing to to butt up our event up against. Um, or you know, you could just tell them that Valentine's is a Hallmark holiday and they're giving into the man by uh, by <laughs> going towards that or giving into you know their wife, which I I am apologizing for already myself. So. <laughs> I haven't even heard of the pod front thing. Didn't know there was such a thing even going on. So interesting. Is that IEB or who's, who's runs that? Nope. So that's, um, that's the group that's kind of started doing the upfronts outside of New York. Um, so IEB does, there's New York every year. Um, but the pod front, which is kind of headed up by Wondery and PR midroll, some of those folks, um, they started doing, they're basically oh, up they're, do, they're doing their own then. They're right. doing, yeah. So this is the second time in Los Angeles. I think last February was in Los Angeles and this one as well. Um, they've done one in San Francisco and Detroit as well. Um, so yeah, but I mean, similar concept. It's up front, just trying to get to the ad buyers that aren't necessarily New York-based. Let's also talk about the keynote speakers that you have lined up for for Evolutions too. It looks like quite a quite a lineup of big names. Yeah, so we've got an interesting mix. So part of it was, you know, what we always try to do with podcast movement is get keynote speakers from big networks, little networks, independents, not independents. And um, and uh, yeah, so this year our keynote speakers are uh, from the independent side of things. Lori Martinez is a podcaster. She's based in France, but uh, she's got this show 
and it's um, it's she records the podcast in three different languages in English and Spanish and French. Her as the host and puts it out in all three languages. And it's something that not a lot of people are doing, but it's uh, all three have caught on in their own countries and their own, you know, the, the speakers of those native languages or those native speakers of those languages. Um, and what she's doing is so interesting and so unique that we, we want to hear from her and hear what she's doing with these emerging markets, these new countries that are newer to podcasting. Um, so we've got that going on. Um, we've got Misha Youssef, who is an L.A.-based producer, podcaster, podcast host. Um, she recently won three or four awards from Adweek for Best Producer and Best Show Podcast um, and several different awards there. So she's someone that's L.A.-based, that's an um, ind- independent podcaster herself. Um, so that's really exciting. Uh, and then from the business side, which is uh, we know a lot of podcasters kind of lean towards business and entrepreneurship, we have James Altucher, who anyone who's on that entrepreneurship type thing um, knows who he is, uh, venture capitalist, podcaster, author, several, several other things. And then from the, you know, network industry side of things, we've got from iHeart, we've got Bob Pittman who runs the whole iHeart operation. Uh, and he's on stage with Connell Byrne who runs the podcast operation. So that was interesting to us because we see this, you know, traditional legacy, what we'll call it media network, iHeart, um, and Bob Pittman who runs the whole thing. And then talking to Connell Byrne, who runs this new podcast-specific offshoot within uh, – he came from how stuff works and, and stuff media when iHeart took him over. And now he runs iHeart Podcast Network. So kind of having them both on stage bridging the gap, that evolution of iHeart, uh, we thought that was pretty on on topic for the evolution event. Um, and then we've got Hernan Lopez from Wondery, who uh, he's – you know, made the change. He was a, a Fox International um, super big executive in the Fox network and left there to start this, uh, you know, podcast network Wondery from the ground up. And they've really, you know, taken off and are doing some unique, interesting things as well. So we've got that going on. And then maybe have one more coming, um, one, but, but for right now, that's kind of the core and we're, we're pretty excited about that. Yeah. So what does your exhibitor count look like? I haven't even looked. Yeah, so we've uh, it's a smaller expo hall. We have about twenty five, and that's like sold out. We sold out our expo hall several months ago. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got that, and then we've got you know several sponsors and stuff that aren't necessarily exhibiting that are doing different things, parties and events and stuff. So um, yeah, you know everything was intentionally meant to be somewhat smaller, um, somewhat more intimate. But uh, but yeah, it's we, we've had a lot of interest, and I think you know the the attendee base. A lot of people this is their first podcast movement event, whether it's because the summer never works for them, so the spring is better, so they're coming for that reason, or West Coast works better than everywhere else where podcast movement has been. So we're seeing you know some returning people, but we're excited to bring a whole lot of brand new people kind of into the podcast movement community. Yeah, yeah that's great. So do you see uh, the Evolutions event becoming um, potentially as as big as the the regular podcast movement event? I mean, is, do you see that as a potential possibility? I maybe. I mean, our we're our whole plan with this is to do it once, see how it goes, see what works, see what doesn't. You know, if there's a specific segment of the event that just is awesome, and a specific segment yeah. of the event that's not, um, then we're giving ourselves the freedom to readjust if. You know, this this new content focus or then this new structure of the event, if something works or something doesn't, then we're giving ourselves the freedom to, to move around. So we're not really going into it with any specific goals other than to make this one 
event with this one concept to you know right. do it as successfully as possible and then see what we learn from it and go from there so we've not got a, a venue booked for next year we've not got any dates booked for next year we've not really got any preconceived notions about it other than let's you know see see it to the finish line see how it goes yeah. um, right now at least from a commercial standpoint it's 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 going to be a success we've got um, you know more attendees than we you know needed and we're getting close to you know our, our big goal of attendees um, again like I said the exhibitors we've we've got that that expo hall full um, tons of interest from speakers from the industry side and the hobbyist side so from all over right. um, so all of those components are there now we just need to see what actually comes out of the event and then we'll decide what to do next so I have to ask what is this silent disco thing <laughs> well, so silent disco is like is what um, is what this technology is known as, but it's silent conferences. Um, so anyone who's been to to a di to a conference or to a, uh, a music a music festival or something like that, where there's not loudspeakers in the room, but there's headphones. So the presentation or the DJ or the band or whoever's playing, you listen to on headphones. Um, it's that same concept. So it, what I've seen it used most is in expo halls where they have three or four stages kind of next to each other with different things happening and you can't have speakers on all of them, uh, loudspeakers going on all of them. So you pick up a pair of headphones and, and change the channel to whichever stage you want to hear the content from and then you can do that. So that's what we're doing. The expo hall, like I said, it's not that big, but we do have a stage in there. So instead of blasting all the exhibitors that are right in front of the, <laughs> the stage with, with loudspeakers, um, we're trying out this silent, the silent conference technology, and the new media show is going to be on silent disco, folks. So and live stream. Right. So <laughs> if you're not there, then uh, then it sounds just like it always does. So I, I had to be retro, Todd. I had I had to kind of laugh. Safety. The silent disco. I I knew what it was. I was just teasing. So I just uh, so it's going to be interesting. You you know you're going to be. So there, you, you have you have people going like this, and like, what they even responding to, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Again, like I said, there's several different things we're testing, and, and that being one of it, uh, one of them. Um, we've talked about doing it several times, and if it doesn't work, then we won't see it again. If it does work, yeah. you might, you know, Rob, you're asking about what might <laughs> translate to the big event. That might be something if it works. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> there, what's the reason for doing that? Is it just because of the proximity of the sessions are too close to each other? Is you that said the, the hall. We're in the yeah, the hall. expo hall because it's in the expo hall and it's not a oh, big gotcha. room. So the expo hall is like two different rooms, but they're they're bridged together with a bunch of doors. So it's kind of one one big room, but the stage uh, is in one of those rooms. And okay. Um, okay. you know, if an exhibitor is set up right next to it and there's speakers right next to them, it would make their conversations very um, ineffective. So do you have to rent that uh, that equipment, or is it a company that comes in and gets that all set up for you? Or, uh, or we have to rent everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Everything, right. everything, yeah, everything costs money. Um, I think in this case, it's a basic enough technology that our AV team just brings it in as as in you know the other equipment they do. And I think it really just connects to the mixer. Um, there's a bunch of wireless headphones that you know charge up. Okay. And uh, so, so yeah, we'll see. But yes, everything, everything is rented. Everything costs too much money. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's For and sure. it's usually if you think it's going to cost three zeros, add another, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it's it's insane that you know our first event, the first year we did it in 2014, our overall budget. Now it's like that's our coffee budget for, <laughs> for for the events now. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, and especially depending on what city you're in and the union rules and everything, it can just go way up. That's why a lot of people don't like doing events in New York City. It's just, oh my Too God, expensive. it's so, yeah, expensive. so expensive. Of course, LA, I so, think it's about the same. 
it so is. Dan, it, um, but there there are some venues like this one's not a union venue that we're doing it at in L.A. So in L.A. you're more likely to find venues that aren't union venues, which. Wow. Um, you know, you can, you still often hire the same people in the same <laughs> crews that do, you know, union work at other venues. Um, but it's just the way the, it, every building is different. So every hotel kind of has their own set of rules. And I don't know if this one's older, so it's kind of grandfathered in, or I don't really know how the, sure. how all that piece, those pieces of it work. But, um, but yeah, I remember we looked at New York one time for something. Um, actually when we ended up doing the event in Philadelphia in 2018, um, we looked at a bunch of different cities on the East Coast, and I remember in New York, the food and beverage minimum uh, to do an event there at the hotel that would fit us was a uh, million dollars of food and beverage. And you know, just for just for reference, we our, our events are normally like a hundred thousand dollars food and beverage. So talking about adding you know an extra zero to it, and that's a big zero to add. That's um, a big so that's, zero. That's when we kind of knew that New York, <laughs> uh, at least for the, for the big podcast movement, was not going to be in the conversation. A million dollars for food, just food alone. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Well, and beverage. And when you talk about coffee, like we could probably get, you know, halfway there just giving coffee to everyone if, if we were generous. Yeah, you could you could have a semi truck of coffee pull out. I mean, like, a, like the, you know, ones that haul milk and full of coffee and that still wouldn't cost a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although the, the two things that when, when we talk about expenses, when people come to us and they want to run events and we tell them, you know, what to expect, the two expenses that we tell them are, are the most surprising how much you pay for them is coffee and internet. Cause That's we're used right. to paying a hundred bucks for home internet. So, you know, why would I have to pay 50,000 for internet for this 3,000 person conference? Well, you do because that's, right. that's the only way the hotel turn, flips the switch for you. Yep. And then same thing, you know, $50,000 in coffee, you know, you see how much coffee that buys you. It's not that much, um, but people get upset without coffee. So it's, <laughs> it's a necessary evil. <laughs> you know, when we were at CES, uh, we were in the broadcast booth and the first day of streaming, um, they told us you guys only have 10 megs up and we're like, well, we need 20, <laughs> you know, we told you we need 20 and, uh, cause we're pushing six or seven streams and they're like, well, you've got 10 and, you know, so we're having to figure out how to get this done and push with 10. And then they up this said, okay, you got a hundred now. So if they give you a hundred, you take 25 or 30. Right. And, uh, the second day we came in, they said, oh, now you're back down to 10 and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> you're killing me here. But the bandwidth is always. I mean, it's always an issue in these venues. It's that is the, uh, the broadband and the cost. And yeah, I've, I've wrote yeah. those checks before I fully understand. Hey Dan, what's the, what's the, the capacity of the, of the Biltmore as far as the size of this event? If you get much over a thousand, are you reaching capacity or is there some growth room as you look to the, the future or are you going to have to change, change venues each year for, for the evolutions of it? Yeah. I mean, chances are we're going to be close to capacity this year. Um, you know, we okay. aim for about a thousand person event and, and, uh, really the, the, the more kind of restrictive thing is because we're doing these dedicated tracks, that means we can only sell a certain number of tickets for each track. So, um, you know, we're, we'll probably hit our cap, like I said, on the creator side and the industry professional side, like we'll probably end up hitting, selling out those two, um, those two tracks because those rooms that those are being held in are just going to hit their capacity. Um, so overall capacity, like there might be a little bit of room, but it's because we would, cut it off just because we don't want anyone to not have a seat if they're buying a ticket to only one track. Um, so yeah, so because this first year we're already kind of getting to that, if we were to decide to do it again, do it in LA, do it a similar format, we probably would have to find somewhere else. 
So what is a what is a single track room going to be? Three, four hundred people? Yeah, right around. We've got some wiggle room, but right around three or three fifty is kind of what we're doing. Um, the only difference is that creator track because that's split between two different stages. We're kind of looking at you know three hundred people buying the creator pass, but kind of being split fifty fifty. Um, so that's that's what's happening there. And then honestly, the the room we're using for the keynote that's kind of at capacity as well. So all those people, you know, coming together into one, one room, same thing. It'll be right around that, you know, 9,000 or 900 to a thousand capacity. So yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll fill up the venue pretty good and that's what we were hoping for. It's not that big, but we, you know, had a, had a target number for the event. We're going to be right about there. Make sure they have more than two bartenders, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, like I said, luckily it's uh, it's in a, a good location that if you have to just leave from the venue, you can walk walk across the street. There's it's pretty nice. There's you know several breweries within walking distance, and all kinds of uh, uh, anyone who went to the uh, Philadelphia event knew the the Reading Terminal Market was right across the street. Right. And uh, Los yeah, Angeles has something similar to that. It's it's like two blocks away, but it's also super walkable, cool outdoor market and stuff. So uh, we're not on an island like we were in Orlando, at least. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of it was kind of interesting too in Orlando because uh, I I told the gal one day, said, "How many bartenders are you going to have here tomorrow?" And she's, "Oh, just us." I'm like, "You know, you do not understand." <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, it, it's strange. And I guess it's all just a money thing, but they do, you know, those big convention centers like the one in Orlando, they do 4,000 person events yeah. every weekend or every week. And I guess they just accept that, hey, the, there's going to be an hour wait at all of our restaurants every night for dinner, but that's better than you right. know adding another yeah other, another outlet or something, I, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, especially in those hotels where you don't really have the option to just walk across the street and get something else. Yeah. So one thing we could always suggest, and I know that uh, iArt has their own game, but tell them to turn it down twenty dB. You know, it's <laughs> we need what we need what we what we need is the disco. The, hey, there's an idea. Silent disco for silent the party. disco for the party, <laughs> and, and then we don't have to wear headsets at all. I think, yeah, that's that would be Dan, beautiful. Dan, I heard it's got a, you know, because they did it at the podcast awards, the, the after party, they were like booming the music in there. My goodness. I well, so Rob, I, I didn't see you in there. Did you, did you make it to the after party? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I was there the whole time. Okay. Usually you stand out am, am, amongst the crowd. So I, I thought maybe I, did, yeah, I, I would were, see your head am, uh, there, above everyone else's. There were quite a few tall people there. I was surprised. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but yeah. they were booming the music in there and it was really hard to talk. Well, um, it's a party. Yeah. It's not a networking event. Well, no, well, I'll say this, Robin. Event. You probably saw this, but my uh, my date was my pregnant wife for the award. So um, yes. we we did not stay at the the super loud alcohol fueled uh, after party too long. Yes, yes. No, I well, get it. No, congratulations. When are you guys do? Thank you. Uh, March. So uh, you know, get through evolutions is the <laughs> is the name of the game. Uh, you do know <laughs> babies have a mind of their own. Yeah, I have a two-year-old running around that uh, we've done very well with her not barging in here yet. So, um, well, I'm just yeah, we'll saying, one I'm just saying if, if you're due in March and you're going to be at Evolutions in February, you, have you got an emergency ticket to go back to <laughs> Dallas? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I fly Southwest, which for all their all their uh, faults, they are are good about uh, you know changing plans if you need to. <laughs> Yeah, because my first. And luckily enough, you know, we've we've gotten to the point now that we've kind of put a more of a team in place, and it's not just everything about the events on me. If right. I had to do that, I feel like there's there's enough hands involved <laughs> with producing the event that um, it could it could keep going. Yeah, my first one was a month early, so that had thrown a damper in things. But 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's <laughs> hope for not that. <laughs> yeah. Just tell her to be calm that week and not too much walking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's funny because like, uh, you know, with, with podcast movement, it's like, we can't have baby or the, we can't have the baby around podcast movement. We can't have it right before podcast movement. Cause that's when it gets busy. Um, that's funny. you know, and then we decided to do an event six months away from podcast movement, uh, on short notice. So, <laughs> and of course, babies are always planned, you know, and everything goes on scheduled getting pregnant. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, number two on the way. So do you know, have you, have you announced publicly boy, girl? Uh, yeah, I think so. Another girl. So we've okay. got, we're going to have two girls in the house or, you know, three <laughs> and then right. we've got two, <laughs> both of my dogs are, are girl dogs. So it's, uh, oh, no. you know, got to <laughs> hold it down on my own. So the, what little hair you have left will be gone in 10 years. So I'm just telling yep. you. Boys yep, are easy. Exactly. Just grab them by the shirt, you know, and you pull them here. <laughs> <laughs> the girls, you have to be, okay, honey, it's it's calm. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But see, now you're uh, you're enjoying the, the grandfather side of it. So yeah. it's, uh, it's yeah. a much more yeah. fun side from yeah. what my parents tell me. Yeah, it, it, it is. And matter of fact, my, my daughter was giving me a little gruff. You haven't been down lately, so uh, we'll be going down yeah. to PodFest. I'll spend a little extra time when I'm down there with her, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, let's talk, you know, uh, I think we've about went through everything on did we miss anything, Dan, on evolutions? Oh, we lost him. Was he frozen? Yeah. Let's see if he calls Ooh, back okay. here. Right. So, privacy do, do we want to broach that topic? Uh, well, we can. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening in the news we could talk about. And I'm sure Dan would be more than happy to chime in on some of that stuff, too, because he's 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 keeping up with a lot of the stuff that's going on in the space. And, you know, yeah. So yeah. I and I guess I'll preface this and I'll start it and, and hopefully Dan can jump back in. But. um, Yeah. Okay. I'm not getting a text from him. Maybe you can check your phone. So at, at CES, I ran into someone I well respect and have known in the space for a very, very long time. Right. And uh, he said, hey, I want to run something by you. And he told me the scenario of him being approached by an advertiser. Said, we want to have you run a pre-pen, a redirect in front of your media. We want to take that IP data and then we want to give the advertiser some code to put on their website so that when we see that IP that has downloaded your show come to the advertiser site, we'll have attribution that mm -hmm. that listener has come to the website. And then if they sign up, we're going to know who they are, blah, 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 blah. Well, like yeah. him, my, like his reaction was visceral and so was mine and you know the answer to you know the my response would have been you know hell no to the double hell no right mm -hmm. and yeah he's back welcome back dan we're talking about a little bit about the privacy stuff that we've been kind of hearing about so you know, make a long story short, I, I said, no, I wouldn't agree to that either. And what it was, Dan, is they wanted to uh, put a redirect in front of his media URL 
then put a tracking code over on the sponsor's website to see when that same IP would come to the, to the advertiser site. So, I, you know, basically we talked about that right on the CES floor for quite a while. And my reaction was as his was no. And then I heard, I got, it's completely separate conversation uh, with a completely different group of people talking about the same thing and actually this being done and several companies doing it. And right. I, I, I don't know. I might, my, my, alert radar went off in, in a big way. And I basically posted something on the podcast movement website. I didn't announce who the company was that was supposedly doing this tracking. There's a lot of people that were guessing and a lot of discussions. Um, and here's, I, I, and I was shocked about the number of podcasters that said, Oh, I don't care if you track my listeners. I it's fine. They're already being tracked. Why? What's the big deal? And that to me, you know, my whole paradigm shift for me was like, you got to be kidding. And um, especially now with, you know, I think Libsyn and us have both adopted GDPR globally. We're doing CCPA. Now, don't get me wrong. In 49 of the 50 states, it is not illegal. Right. To do this. To do this. You can do this. There's no issue in doing this. Right. Right. And in a, a lot of other countries around the world, it's okay to do it too. Right. But so California and the EU absolutely can't do it. And, but so I, I'm just was a little bit astonished that podcasters would feel that they could, that it was okay to, you know, have this attribution data aligned with their, you know, if, their listeners being tracked on sponsor sites and wherever else. So, you know, I, I guess the analogy that I, that someone put up was, okay, let's say you are, well, let me, let me just use a simple one. Let's say you're on a, a podcast and you hear an ad for the Acme toothbrush company. Mm-hmm. And then three days later, you are on some third party website and you're being pushed a banner saying buy an Acme toothbrush. Well, we're already being subjected to that on Amazon, Facebook, and Google, but we've all given, we've all opted into that tracking on those ecosystems. Whereas the podcast listener comes in, can opt in and yet we're going to, and yet it's not illegal. We can do this on 49 of the 50 States. We can, we can send them an Acme toothbrush add through digital attribution the question is right is it right should we be doing this yeah is it is it uh, as you look to the future which side of this issue are you going to land on what's the direction uh, that we're going to ultimately reach in the future on this topic and i i believe it and and i think you todd and and ellipson believe this too that you know i think it's better to be on the protect the listener side and follow the the rules that are being laid down by the EU and by what's happening in California and but, and and apply those globally instead of you know selectively doing this is that is that really the right way to do it and I think it's 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 not to selectively enforce this. But just yeah. so we're clear, there's seven states with legislation in process that mimic right. the California CCPA. So then yeah, so it's a wave that's coming. It's coming. Right. 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 And which side of the issue do you want to be on? I think it's the question from a, it's an ethics question, really. I think at the end of the day, at this point, 
Uh, and it's a, it's a little bit of a technology question. Are, are you going to not do it in some geolocations and then do it in others? Is that the game that we're going to get involved in here? Or, you know, we're going to be forced to do the right thing here? Is that the, and I think those are all questions that we've all had to ask ourselves about this topic. And, and it's, it's bigger right. though, because, you know, I'm looking at this from a liability standpoint. So I've got right. my legal right. teams looking at this, trying to determine number one, I can go out and do like Libsyn has done and work with partners to get licensing agreements. It says you will not track Blueberry customers. I can, I can do that. Right. And, but the problem is I've got PowerPress sitting out there that is being used by Libsyn customers, Podbean customers, Buzzsprout customers. You know, there's lots of people yeah. that use the plugin that don't right. use us for hosting. So am I liable on PowerPress because I have the plugin? The first thing they're just going to come to us. So do I have to now get this, you know, global where anyone using PowerPress, I have to get a, do I have to go get a license agreement with all these partners that say, you know, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about this one company. I'm talking about, we have to go to everyone and talk to everybody about this and say, I need it in writing that you're not tracking. Right. And if you're not, we're going to, we're going to blacklist you so that you can't, it can't be used on the plugin. So, right. so anyway, yeah, legal's, legal's looking at yeah. it and, and trying to figure out what our liability is, but. I mean, trying to selectively enforce this on our platform is a technology nightmare. I mean, it's just, you know. And if I, if I blacklist this, if I blacklist partners or non-partners, then my podcasters are going to be pissed. They're going to say, oh, you took this away right. from me. Um, and I wanted this data and they don't understand. So I, I don't know, Dan, have yeah. you guys even talked about any of this or has this come up or. Uh, we're going to have some sessions or a session at least at Evolutions kind of on the privacy topic. So that's kind of the extent of it. Um, but I mean, in terms of what we're doing, since we're not really producing just a whole lot of content, um, our yeah. our closest tie-in is we do have relationships with some of these partners that you're, you're calling them. Um, so, you know, different whether they're speaking or whether they sponsor that kind of thing. So our relationship is making sure that, you know, we we don't feel like they're doing, they're right. you know, doing things intentionally wrong and trying yeah. to cheat systems um, and that we're not kind of locking arms with people like that. Um, I just think like bigger picture, a lot of people don't even like this, this now California law and stuff is bringing to light what things are happening behind the scenes that a lot of people didn't even know were happening. And now because it's having to come up about California, then now people are knowing that it's, it's something that's happening at all. So I think that's just bringing to light some things that have been happening. Um, kind of the, the, the interesting thing is a lot of this stuff has been happening for years right. on social media and Google and search yeah. and all of that. And, um, now that it's right. coming into podcasting and becoming part of the co podcasting conversation, uh, people are, are that are up in arms about that have never had any issue with it being a part of their daily lives oh. on social and on search and all of that. So it's interesting to see kind of, you know, that, that whole dynamic coming up. But, but the Delta is I've opted into that. That's the right. Delta. I, I have allowed in my agreement with Amazon and Google, and I, I have no issue with the tracking personally, nothing. I, some of it is good. If it gives me good recommendations, it's good. And some of it can be quite nefarious, but I gave permission to allow them to do that. I can't give permission in podcasting. That's the problem. That's, well, that's, that's the fundamental that's, issue. I think we all would love this attribution data. Don't get, you know, right. come on, you right. know, we're trying to, we're trying to make money for podcasters, but right. I can't get listeners to say yes. 
Right. There's no there's no option for them to say yes to do this. And this is why we've had to put GDPR in for EU. I, I still can't opt in podcasters in EU. Companies in the EU have bypassed GDPR because they come to their website. Yes, I've agreed to terms of service. Yes, I've agreed to be tracked. Yes, I'm pro- providing you information. They, they, they right. say yes. Opt in to cookies. It's all about opt in. Right. There's no opt in in podcasting. Listeners can't opt in. They, so what do we do now? We put a... Do all the podcast apps have to put in a new disclosure when you subscribe Probably. to a show or play a show that does a pop-up that says, hey, by the way, your IP privacy is not guaranteed. Right. It can be tracked, blah, blah, blah. Or is that what's But unless next? it's 100%, then it's well, not effective, right? That's like right. Everyone well, would have everyone to do Everyone have to do it. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, certainly those apps could do that. But the the question, I mean, you go talk to the apps, <laughs> you know, the people that make the apps, and they'll tell you, well, where's the advantage for us to do that? Right. You know, you know? If, if you told Marco that he was going to have to put a, a pop-up in his app that allows people to be, their privacy to be, yeah. he would... Yeah. He'd be like, you would have, you would uh, see an op-ed no, in the in the no. op-ed in the New York Times. You know, <laughs> it ain't happening, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's and and is Apple going to do it? No, and but you know, so people yeah. say, well, we're getting this information on Spotify. Well, no, Spotify is getting that information. They're not sharing with you attribution data on Spotify, but you have right. agreed by your terms of service on Spotify to be tracked. That is the, the difference. Spotify can track you. Yeah, that, Spotify can track you. But that isn't relate to giving authorization for host, us hosts to to enable that tracking. Again, so, in 49 yeah. states, I don't have to ask permission at all. I can do this today. Right. No problem without permission. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's what yeah. side of the fence are we going to fall on? So I just, you know, I asked uh, in the podcast movement, community what people thought and there was a varying degree and of course oh my god no one's doing that and i'm like yes they are you need to ask the hard questions of companies if they're doing that number two um i asked the blueberry community are we overreacting and a hundred percent of all respondents says no thank you for protecting our listeners privacy but again that was a you know those are there's a even in the podcast movement site in the blueberries that's a you know minuscule number of you know i get people on my team that says i know i'm being tracked already it's not a big deal my millennials (laughs) or or gen xers they don't care they're like uh so what we're being tracked everywhere already what's the difference which is true yeah which is Um, true yeah and i've also seen (laughs) um, todd and you've probably seen this too that this is a little bit of a related topic, but what we're starting to see is even some events start popping up uh, focused on the privacy issue now. So, and then uh, was it PRX announced a, right. a a conference that they're doing here at the end of February, uh, basically around podcasting threats, threats to the open nature of podcasting, which they're they're ha- they're going to put together a whole event to talk about this topic. So, if you look at you know RSS. Um, talk about changes to RSS, changes you know with the privacy stuff. Uh, there's some some serious threats out there um, to the open nature of um, the podcasting medium right now. So I I am encouraged that PRX is putting on this symposium because yeah. to right. me I'm like, you know, thank you for being part of the team and making sure that they right. under, understand the value of the openness of the space. I, right. I again I don't think there is a, a national emergency for the openness of the space. 
But they're yeah, worried. But it does seem like that the you know the passage of these laws and the enforcement of these laws in 2020 here on the privacy side has sparked a conversation that's yeah. uh, probably been needed for a long time. Yeah. So I guess we'll see see what happens, but right. You know, until the community as a whole agrees to some sort of opt-in mechanism, right. you right. know, where we can actually get them to say yes, I agree to this. And I don't know, maybe this is something we can bring up at the. And we haven't talked about this, but we're going to have a, I don't know, is it in the morning, Dan? When do you have a scheduled for this RSS? Yep, I believe it's that, uh, that Friday morning. So we're having a, just an hour kind of a, you know, and I got, I need to get you a description of what the meeting's about, but it's the RSS podcast coalition where we're talking about expanding RSS and, um, you know, and even in the, even in the Slack channel of that group, we are already, you know, there's a lot of ideas and a lot of people. You know, and I don't know if there is, it's going to be very, 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 very hard to get people and app developers to a consensus of new RSS tags. And this, you know, this may be all for mute because maybe there just be too much infighting or too many, you know, too many agendas. It's very, this is a very difficult thing to get yeah. accomplished. It's it, it, it's trying to corral cats and and maybe what we have to do is just make a list of all those recommendations and just have the whole community vote on them. I guess would be one way to find some sort of a prioritization of what we might do. But you know, I think getting all the players involved, you know, Apple and Google and everybody involved in this is the only way it's going to happen. And and the the Slack group does have some interesting participants in them. Some have announced themselves. Some haven't. You know, so people could do a little looking around. They'll probably very easily discover who's in there and right. uh, being lurking. But, you know, without, we've got podcasters, we've got some podcast groups. You know, I, I think we've got a good assortment of companies so far. But the bigger challenge now is I still need more app developers weighing in. I right. think we've got two or three in there at this point, but there's 20. So I need, you know, 10 or more of the top app developers right. to participate in this conversation we can talk all day about this, but if, <laughs> if, you know, we talk into ourselves if the app developers basically do that, you know, they flip us the bird and this is all mute because we're going to rely on them to actually implement the, you know, any of these new tags we put together. Well, and Todd, I'm going to, uh, I talked to Owen from, from pocket cast. He's the guy that runs pocket cast out there and he's going to join us on the show here coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, and we can certainly ask him about this and his perspective on um, changing RSS and and just you know the, his thoughts on the privacy issue too. I yeah. think having Owen on to talk about these issues, I, I think is perfect to have the have a person from a listening platform come on and and share it with us. And at the same point on the tags, you know, so many of these apps are largely driven by metadata that they get from Apple, so unless Apple implements the metadata, that's not going to make it the full circuit around back to the app anyway, it won't be available because right. they're not actually quote unquote, you know, they, they get their show listings and their show updates from Apple. So that they're limited in the metadata that Apple gives them. Marco isn't a few others because they have their own directories, but I still think they populate their app from with new shows from the Apple API. The Apple API, right. Yeah, well, exactly. and it, it also brought up another conversation that happened in the podcast movement community last week. A gentleman came in and said, why are my, why is my show and this app, this app, this app, and this directory, he didn't call it the blueberry directory by name, another directory, but you know, we've added shows for years 
people can right. come in and claim them, but we auto add shows to the directory and people get auto added to, to apps. So are we now starting to see a pushback from podcasters saying, no, I don't, you know, we always take down shows that say they don't want to be on the blueberry directory, but they have to request it to be taken down. We don't ask them permission to add it. Yeah, I've always encouraged any kind of new directory that wants to get into the medium, and I've been doing this for the last couple of years, to, to set up a system of, um, of opt-in um, and submissions versus just grabbing feeds um, and, and populating. Um, but I think, you know, it's a delicate line to walk, and I think, you know, there was an item in Pod News about it um, just a couple of days ago um, that the thought was is that by doing that, you know, you're endangering the fragile equilibrium between listeners, creators, and, and the apps. And I, I don't know that I entirely agree with that, but I think, I think where we've seen the sensitivity is, I think, with like a luminary, uh, where there's some sort of a monetization that's going on uh, in that isn't directly benefiting a lot of the content creators that is happening. And if the content is being used to, to, to monetize and there isn't kind of a, any kind of a revenue share opportunity there, I think is where podcasters sometimes um, well, take an objection. But Rob, yeah. it's, they want their cake and eat it too. They don't complain about Spotify monetizing around their content. No one's, you I, don't hear anyone saying, oh, my, I, oh my God, Spotify is advertising around my content and yet there's, it's and, happening other places and they're flipping out. So. I mean, Spotify is able to do stuff that uh, other folks can't do, you know? So I mean, let's just call it what, what it is there. They're, they, they've got a huge base of listeners. They're, they're very popular. Everybody wants to be on their platform. And that puts the situation is that Spotify can do a lot of things. So you know, it's, that, you know, that a lot of people can't cry me a right. story blue. Yeah. It's just like, I can't, you know, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So it's, it's, right. you know, I don't know. And, Danny, I know, I know you work with most of these folks, they're sponsors and you have to be careful. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think, I think it's right. But you know, Rob, I, I think the, if people are starting a, a platform and they have to take submissions to build the database, like you're starting yeah. at zero, you're Years. almost starting off, you're starting off irrelevant already. Right. And then, you know, who are you going to go to to make sure that Joe Rogan's on your show? And, you know, all those, all those shows, like, are you going to individually try to get all the big shows to opt in? So I think it's a, I understand the motivation behind that, but it's hard to um, to build well, something hard. like that, especially yeah, when you don't you have, have to, to have and a, there's such a easy starting point for you. Um, right. Again, kind of relating this for the broader you know broader audience, it's it's very similar to Google or Yelp. When new businesses open up in town, they're somehow scraping uh, these new right. business addresses, right. and a new business will be on the Google directory or on the Yelp directory uh, within days of opening. And right. then you can claim your business on right. those directories, but you don't have to submit it. It kind of gets scraped in there. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, comparison between non-podcast things and, and that, right. you know, that same format of, of scraping and being, you know, having to opt out of being in there versus having to opt in. Well, I think that there's a strategy that you can take to accomplish it, and that's um, – that's to to you know, almost do like a pre-launch uh, 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 request for content submissions for the future launch of of a directory, and I think that you can you can approach it from a perspective that's very proactive. And one of the reasons that I I recommend, and I'm talking to many new potential directories right now, is is that what you want to do is you want to have the community be behind you and and 
promoting you and talking about your platform. And the only real reason or the only way you can do that is to have their involvement in the, um, in, in the adding to, to that directory. And, you know, we've seen this happen off and on over the years and it's, and it, it can either go well or it can go bad or it can just, you know, the, the platform, uh, doesn't, isn't able to take advantage of the networking effects of, uh, all these podcasters that have a microphone and audiences to drive people to, um, to, to utilize this new directory. So, so Rob, if you're Facebook and you ask for submissions for a directory, everyone's going to submit. If you're right, Joe Schmo, right. John Smith, and he's launching a new website and he asks podcasters right. to submit, he's not going to get any traction. So, you know, from our perspective, right. when we right. weren't, when we required people to submit their show, I had about one sixth of the total number of shows yeah. that were out there. Yeah. You know, and did that make it that a viable? probably after years, right? After right. years. And then right. when we switched and we switched and we basically used all different methods. We went and looked for shows. We used Google API. I mean, we looked like five different ways to find new shows to pull them in. Then our claiming of shows went up to about half, about half the shows are added to Blueberry right. are actually claimed and right. a user account established. So if you're, if you are somebody, if you're a Facebook, yeah, you get the community behind you. Come on, submit. Everyone's going to submit. It's going to be a land rush. But if well, they're, yeah. if it's not a Facebook type of company, people aren't going to even yeah. give them the time of day. Well, that's, that's where the hosting platform is coming to. And if you look at what, what, what Spotify did, they, they partnered with the hosting companies, um, uh, to, to promote the inclusion of, and, of and what did podcasts. that get us? Well, that, that, <laughs> that benefited, uh, Spotify definitely Oh yeah, uh, on, on one side, but it also enabled us as a host to, to, to drive that, that, that submission engine. Now I, th I think Spotify didn't do it the right way. Um, but you know, because I think if it had been done, done the right way, I know Todd, you and I were filling out spreadsheets for the longest time trying to get. I was also Spotify's technical support for about a year. Right. And then what exactly. did they, then what did they do? They went and bought anchor, you know, right. and bend us over and grease this up. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it hasn't been that bad. Has it Todd? No. Well, we're not their support anymore. No, that, that, that that's true, and I think we all get um, anchor shows that want to want to move over to our platform at some point too. Mm -hmm. And I I hear this in the podcast community a lot, and and Dan, I don't know you hear this too, but there's a there, there's a lot of folks out there that are that are happy that anchor exists because of you know maybe they, they don't have the financial resources to to pay for hosting and they can at least start doing a show, but you know we see a lot of shows you know get started over there, and then if they if they get some traction, they want to have better professional tools or whatever. They they wind up moving over to our our, our platform or Blueberry or whatever that, uh, that that's a better and more professional platform. But it's so, a great place for people to start. But I also think that there's hard discussions that you know I I've had some hard discussion with some podcasters recently, and it's uncomfortable. You get a a, a show that calls you and says. Right. Yeah, I'm in a hundred episodes. I'm, this is where my audience is at. I want to monetize and right. they've got, you know, all these goals and right. you, you want to be nice and try to explain very carefully what they need to grow their show to get to the point where they get an advertiser. And, right. and so they, and then they, you, you kind of have to, you almost drop this bomb on them that you're not quite there yet, 
but yet they, they say, well, I can go over here and put my show over there. And I'm like, okay, so let me just explain <laughs> what that means in dollar and cents. I do that math equation with them. Okay. You've got 300 listeners per episode. You're going to go over there and get to this platform or wherever it may be. And you're going to get $8 CPM. And we do that. We do the math. And I said, are you willing to do this entire transition to something you think is going to be better for your show, giving up your brand and doing this other stuff. And then up, up with a check for 23 cents. And yeah. that's right. very disheartening. The big, the bigger yeah. problem is we got to help podcasters build their audiences. Right. And exactly. I mean, that's been the challenge that we've had for a long time. Um, but Todd, I wanted to change the, sure. the, the subject here a little bit and talk about the uh, conversation that's been happening around Spotify and Apple, right? This, this perception <laughs> of these articles that have come out saying that uh, Spotify is actually bigger than Apple yep. um, and, and whether or not that's true. And I, I'm also curious, you know, why that topic is coming up right now. I don't know. Do you have a thought about it? Um, who's sponsoring these posts? Well, they appear to be coming from a variety of uh, sources out there, but you know, and there is some, some truth a little bit about this outside of the U.S. But but I think what was done, you know, at least with the Motley Fool article, was this. It was almost like link bait um, around I, saying that somehow you haven't, Spotify you is haven't read than Apple. you haven't read Motley Fool very much, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I know they. They do this a lot. I know that. Well, you know, you guys were the subject of several Motley Fool articles back in the day that were not at all nice. Yeah, well, that's true. So they're an equal opportunity uh, in, incorrector. Right? No, they're, they're uh, equal opportunity basher and link baiter, and they're right, equal opportunity right. in trying to right. move stock symbols and right. trying to drive. Sometimes they're trying to push stock down, and they, and they you know, they hedge against right. that, and you know, they, come on, it's, they, they are, they are classic. You know, you follow Motley Fool. That's you follow their investing advice. You, you, you bet against companies all the time because they're always, you know, it's, it's anyway. Yeah. So. It's all, it's all, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot Link of this, bait. all those studies, what's the biggest platform, what's the most popular platform? Like those questions are being asked to such diff a targeted group of people in a targeted group of ways, giving them certain options and, you know, yes, maybe their survey or their poll, that is what showed, but who are they surveying? What are they actually asking them versus what the headline says? Like what's the actual question? Right. What options are they being given? Um, what was it last year at, at uh, NAB when it came out that YouTube was the most popular place to, <laughs> to listen to podcasts? Well, right. when you look back and you say, okay, who did they ask? What did they ask? What were the questions? What were the options? Then you can see, oh, I could see how this particular study could produce this published result. And I think this is the same thing when you dive down and like you said, Rob, okay, like maybe that is actually what this, what this research showed, but is that actually accurate to what the headline is promoting? So I think a lot of it just has to do with kind of, you know, funny research and, and that's what it comes down to. I always look at who's, who's writing it. What's their agenda. Did they get paid to write this? What is the actual words that they use? Right. You know, because if you, if you don't, if our first reaction is we're wrong, <laughs> but if you read the fine print and you look at how they term their words, like Dan saying, oftentimes you'd be like, uh-huh, they were ta asking streaming customers. They weren't asking people that yeah. were using. Yeah. And they had no, yeah. So it always, well, there's parsing of, of words, you know, and I also heard them <laughs> say, well, well, um, 
Spotify has more podcast users than Apple. And it's just like, really? I mean, I mean, cause the numbers that we put out and Todd, I'm sure you're, you're very close to our numbers too, showing downloads. Right. And that's the metric that we should all be looking at here. Um, because there's no way that we know users of what's happening on Apple because Apple doesn't share that data. Um, but you know, on a, on an industry wide, but, um, but Apple's got like 58 to 59% of all the downloads that are out there on a global scale. Spotify's got anywhere from 11 to 13%. Which is remarkable. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it is. It's fantastic, but it's certainly not bigger than Apple. No. So, you know, it's, yeah. Todd, are you showing a lower percentage on Spotify on your platform or what's your number right now? I haven't, I didn't pull December numbers yet, but I will tell you this. Apple was very close to being, we predicted Apple would be down to about a 50% market share by the end of the year. I got to see if we actually hit those numbers, but yeah, I think they're in that probably 50 to 54% range. Maybe now, you know, the Spotify numbers are what there are, but also you have to understand that We've also what's so you're down to 54% it's, on Apple. Well, we predicted it would be at 50%. I need to go pull December numbers, actually look what it is, <clears throat> but you also have to understand we've for five years have been promoting the absolute living crap out of subscribing uh, on Android. Right, right, right. So our, so our, our user base as a whole has much higher Android listeners than anybody else. Gotcha. Okay. You know, so it, it again, it's who's doing the study and what is the audience behind the What's method? What's the out? source of the data? The data. Yeah, right. You right. know, and, you know, so for us, we've had that subscribe on Android button there for five years that people could click on long before Google Podcasts came on board. So, you know, when you have 100,000 or 300,000 or a million people clicking that button on a, on a monthly basis, it's going to move yeah. the needle, you know. Right. It's going to move the needle for us having this bigger Android base. And of course, Apple's, but it's not a smaller base. It's a bigger number, but, you know, distribution is just a little bit different. So I, I'm curious what your number shows with Spotify though, given that. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to pull it. Because Spotify has quite a bit of Android use. Yeah, I'll have to pull the, pull the, again, it's just a spreadsheet. I probably could pull it here on the show, but. The subscribe on Android pull up Spotify as an option? No, it doesn't because they never adopted the ability to enable the one-click code that we offer. So basically the way the subscribe on Android code works is if you've got one of the 13 or 14 apps that support it, if you click on, if you're an Android user and you click on that button and you don't have an app, we take you to the page that shows the supported apps that support subscribe on Android. If they install one of those, Furthermore, when they click a subscribe on Android button, that app comes up to the forefront and you can subscribe just like you do on Apple Podcasts. So now with Google Podcasts coming in, I'm sure that's going to start, we're going to start to see a, you know, probably those podcast apps will not have as many people subscribing to them. Who knows? Maybe more. I don't know. But it's just because they, they, they took our 13 lines of code. Now, if Spotify took our 13 lines of code and put it in the Spotify app, Boom, it would work. But but Spotify doesn't have a subscribe function. Well, they have a what do they it's call like it? A follow or something. It's a favorite. Yeah, follow, or favorite, like whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same thing. Whatever the functionality is, it would bring them to their show right. on the Spotify app right. and they could say, 
All right, follow or like or whatever it may be. So your system would work with a a you know a variety of different situations. Well, all like they got to do is put the code like in versus just, just a subscribe. All they got to do is put the code in, and then Android's okay. smart enough to see what you know. It's basically the app because it's, it's like, not really subscribing, right? It's bringing up the page, sure. the show page on right. whatever app. Right. It is. It's bringing up the app to bring up the show page to be able to subscribe. Yeah. So basically, it says, "Oh, do I have any apps out here that support this code?" And Android says, oh, yeah, I've got the Pocket Cast app, and, you know, it pops up, and you're good. Right. Or if you don't, it takes you to the page that has the app. So, anyway. it. So, again, for five years, that's why my Apple numbers are probably a little more aggressive than yours. Or less. But at the same time, too, we're starting to see more activity of podcasters that, you know, it, it's, it's trending over time. You know, you've got, let's, let's, and I'm not going to, this is not a quotable number. So don't even quote this. Let's say you had 85% of people that were subscribed via just subscribe. So you get the show downloaded automatically and 15% that were streaming. What we're starting to see is that number change. We're starting to see the number of people subscribe and the number of people that are actively hitting play versus subscribing increase. So less people are subscribing to a show in an app. So that, that is continues to trend and it, you know, we lose points every year. So, you know, podcasters, this is a, this is a caution to you. You know, if you're not promoting subscribing on your show, you're going to have more people that will just be catching you when they can by hitting play, right. which is not necessarily a bad thing. That's what's happening on Spotify, but at least you need to know that that trend is changing. Yeah. Yeah, and discovery is so, you know, so hard to get people to discover your show in the first place. Last thing you want is to make them rediscover you each time you put out a new yeah, show. Yeah, and have to go search for it, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And with right. all the, you know, Apple ranking you based on subscriptions and all of that, like there's so many, yeah, so many reasons why that should be your main call to action, I think. Yeah, and, and you, you yeah. Dan, just subscribe to 100 shows and listen and you'll you'll scream. You know, listen yeah. to the first three minutes of a show and you'll be able to tell, do these, do these folks understand? And, and again, it, it still goes back to, you know, 50, 60% of podcasters never, never, never mention Android. Never, ever. Right. And so. Hey, Todd, did you see the, the, the listing in pod news about uh, CBS uh, in relation to personal audio? This kind of goes, goes oh, back yeah, to Oh, yeah, they were able to that get. That patent thing. Yeah. yeah, so they were they were actually one of the early victims and were ordered to pay a certain amount to patent troll. They appealed right. that, and right. now they don't have to pay. It's been completely thrown out. So the patent troll case is once and for all, every <laughs> and all parties yeah. are done. Hey, Rob, we're long already. We're already an hour 35. So just so you know, we don't want to keep Dan too long. That's true. That's true. He's got things he needs to do, right? Right, Dan? That's right. <laughs> so there's an event coming. Yeah. So anyway, uh, podcast movement evolutions. If you want to go, Dan, should they just go to podcastmovement.com and get their ticket now? Right. Yep. Go to podcastmovement.com. Like I said earlier, an hour ago now, um, <laughs> the, some of the tracks are getting pretty close to selling out. The hotel's getting close to selling out. Um, so, so if you're on the fence, uh, sooner rather than later, it'd be the best time to, to commit. And, uh, Come see a, a live new media show. We're, we're, we're going to be doing it on the last day at the very end of the event. So s stick around. I think it's from I think it's from like one to 
1.30 to 3, I think, on the final day, on the 15th. I yep, think. and then you guys both have uh, sessions going as well. Todd's yep. talking about RSS a little bit deeper. So, yeah, lots of uh, good stuff from the New Media Show crew. So am I on the 101 or am I in the middle track, Dan? Where am I at? You're that? on the middle. You're oh. on the, well, you're on the creator track, but it's on the experience side. It's okay. not brand new podcasters. Okay, cool. Right. Right. So. All right. Well, Dan, thank you, Dan, for coming on again. Yeah. yeah good good as always. This might be the fifth or sixth time I've been on the show, but always, uh, always a good time. Thank you guys. Well, we'll have you on before the Dallas event too. So yep. Yeah. Exactly. We, we should have a t-shirt or something for a five-time uh, attendee for the show, but we don't like uh, <laughs> the guys do on the other podcast. So, but anyway, Dan, thanks for being on with us today. We'll see you in, uh, in Los Angeles here in just a few, for a few short weeks. Thanks for having yes. me. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. Outstanding. So. so Rob, All any, right. any last things before we bounce? No, I, I think, uh, you know, if you want to follow me on online, you know, I'm, I'm posting, if you want to see some, some videos that I took from the iHeartRadio uh, podcast no. awards, I, I posted some, no. some videos up there with, uh, actually Conan O'Brien did his little acceptance speech and I, I posted that. And then, uh, and then also Will Farrell made some comments. I know Todd, it's, it's, but it's entertainment stuff. It's entertaining. Good, uh, all, all news and podcasting is good. I just have my own personal. Beef. I know I get it. I get it <laughs> totally. So yeah. So, so yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Rob Greenley and that's with two E's. And then I, uh, if you need to get a hold of me for any podcast related, uh, questions or comments, you can certainly send it to Rob G at, uh, Lipson.com. So I heart folks, if you're listening, Bob Pittman, Hey, um, podcastawards.com. It's a great domain. Be happy to sell it to you. We can go into negotiations. It'll make a wonderful addition to your, be able to support your domains. I, I can, we can really make a, a great deal on that. And uh, 15 years worth of, uh, fantastic, uh, SEO. So, right. you know, what, what do you think it's worth, Rob? How much I charge for that domain? Oh, I think at least a million. I think a million's the number. <laughs> Well, Bob is actually going to be at the at the Evolutions event. Well, so maybe I ought to make a little maybe card. Maybe you and he can have a little meeting. Yeah, maybe I can. Uh, ha a little, you know, he'll probably be surrounded by handlers. So good luck getting close to him. So <laughs> probably security guards, more than likely. <laughs> I, probably. <laughs> but uh, no, if anyone, uh, we're gonna the podcast awards uh, registration is going to open February first. So. Uh, the original yeah. podcast awards and we are looking for sponsors. I mean, you know, these events do, you know, we covered our, covered our dollar amount last year. So I'm hoping we're able to do that again this year. But, uh, yeah. and I think, I think I was actually left with the $400 credit or something like that. So. Well, there was a lot of news that we didn't cover. Oh about. my God. There's a ton. So it's like, you know, luminary drop in their price. I oh saw yeah. That from, from seven eighty nine to, to uh, four four ninety nine. It's because so, they had a great winter when they did their promotion in the winter. It was yeah. so fantastic. They said, "This is the new price point." It's not right. because we're hurting. And uh, and their new annual plan is two dollars and ninety nine cents a month. Oh, great! What a deal! Yeah, what a, a deal. deal! And some of those mm -hmm. folks that are going to be re-signing, get those checks, cash them early. Do not delay. <laughs> Take that and, Chinese money and put it in the bank. Right. Exactly. And they. The Australian Podcast Awards is back in 2020 again. I guess they're they're doing that in uh, November of next year. 
So All or right. this year, I guess. Hey, but we, anyway, we, we should probably jump off here. Yeah, we do want to, I do want to thank Eileen for her donation to the show. I know she's watching. Thank you, Eileen, for your donation. Yeah. Yeah, thank and you, Eileen. We, and we do have a PayPal link on the website for any of you else that want to throw us a nickel. We, you can do that. We'd definitely appreciate it. If we give you value for value, we hey, the value for value model works for a couple of shows. And if we're giving yeah. you value, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Rob and I don't get paid to do this by either respective company. So just let nope. you know, we're on our own time. I can't. This is. This is a community <laughs> service. No. So, uh, matter of fact, I think sometimes my company probably wishes I wouldn't do this show. So, uh, but anyway. <laughs> Why is that, Todd? I well, you, you know, it is what it is. But hmm. everyone, thanks yeah. for being here. And uh, we definitely will see. And I guess we're on next week, right? Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'll let you know. All right. I think I'm available. So, uh, okay. anyway, okay. everyone take care. We'll see you next time. I'm Todd right. at Blueberry.com or at Geek News on Twitter. Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter too at Rob Greenley with two E's, and uh, give me a follow over there, and and you can see some iHeartRadio podcast award videos. So, <laughs> everyone, thanks for being here. We'll see you next okay. time on the New Media right. Show. Okay, take care. <laughs>